What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The way will John. What's up, people? We are back again with some of my favorite humans. Uh, and today we're going to cover a whole lot of stuff, which most of you guys may or may not, I guess, have an idea about. But at the end of this, you will be more knowledgeable and you'll be a, a better person for having listened. So we have with us today Billy Carson and Matt LaCroix. So thanks to both of you guys for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's an honor to talk to you two gentlemen. So um, we delved into a whole lot in our separate talks. Uh, they share some similarities. Obviously, we talked about consciousness, uh, ancient history, and stuff like that. You guys are well known uh, in your fields for being experts um, in this. And it's an interesting field, uh, where we came from, why humans do the things that they do, what was really going on, uh, you know, the differences between um, what's told as mainstream, the story of our mainstream history, and what's being called as technically alternative history, which is a funny, funny way to say it, um, you know, because yeah. <laughs> in reality, it, it's, it's, it's a story that's unfolding all the time. So I know you guys are working on a collaborative effort. Um, so maybe uh, if whichever one of you guys feels adept at kicking it off with letting us know what you guys are writing about, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Yeah, Matt. Matt has uh, been really spearheading this whole thing. He even came up with the name for the book, and I'm actually a little bit behind him on my parts because I've been too busy running around doing all this other stuff, and now now just trying to catch up to where he's been because he's a he's super efficient. He's been doing phenomenal. So I'll let Matt kick it off, and then I'll fill in the blanks. So this whole thing got started about a year ago. Billy Carson came to visit me up in Portland, Maine, uh, when I lived there. Of course, now I live in Colorado. Um, and we had a, a great day just talking about ideas for projects. We actually didn't even really know that that was going to happen. But through that, those, uh, that mastermind conversation, collaborative talk, um, we really came to the idea of, hey, let's really do something together that we can reach a much larger audience, but also have our combined ideas and interest to a book that is something that has never been done before. We're attempting to create or recreate, I should say, the story of humanity, the story, our story, uh, how far back it goes, not, um, not Neanderthals and, and, uh, pre, uh, pre, you know, human homo sapiens living in caves and, and knocking on sticks and rocks. What we're talking about here is when civilization began, when homo sapiens sapiens 
all of a sudden appeared out of nowhere. And we find, um, you know, the, the lowering of astronomy and astrology and mathematics and agriculture and animal husbandry and it basically all the things that created civilization all emerged at once, all in a single time period in history. And so what we're trying to do is cover everything from the early Sumerian lineages of Mesopotamia through Atlantis and Lemuria and talking all the way about the cataclysms of the Younger Dryas and how consciousness changed and how we fell from being a spiritual connected being of the cosmos to this materialistic uh, largely left brain controlled being that seems to be um, almost a shell of what its true self is. And we're going to try to recreate and at the same time, preserve more ancient writings in any book in history. So this is going to even have more than my previous book, The Stage of Time. Um, we are going all the way from tablets to Mayan readings to pyramid text, everything in between. So I'm really excited about you know where this is going and the direction it's going. And I know it's taking a little longer than some have hoped, but I like to think that truly great things take time. Right, guys? Yeah, absolutely. Everything is in divine time. And uh, it's going to be a remarkable book. I'm feeling it now that I'm getting deep into it. There's so many texts out there that people don't even know, you know, exist. And as as I was going back into doing my research just, you know, for uh, for the writing of the book, I started coming across tablets that I had heard about, some that I have read so many years ago, some that I hadn't even known existed, different versions of tablets as they were recopied over uh, over many thousands of years, talking about Sumerian tablets, papyruses from pre-dynastic Egypt. Uh, I mean, just so there's so much content uh, that's available out there. So uh, I'm really looking forward to helping to paint this picture, this this you know this 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 timeline, so to speak, of the beginning and to where we are right now. And also, we're going to try to create a specific type of a timeline piece that will be available in the book, but for a full size, which would probably be I don't know seven eight feet long. It'll be you know somebody can probably order that separately to get the full layout of the timeline of humanity. It's going to be phenomenal. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm definitely one of those fans that's, uh, that's waiting. Uh, that's been there. I know you guys haven't <laughs> put out a tape, but yeah, we're definitely ready, but however long it takes, like you said, you know, greatness takes time. And, um, there's so much within that, that I think is important for people. And like I mentioned, I think in, in both of our podcasts previously, a lot of the things that we try to do here is, is pull, young guys generally uh, into trying to figure out how they can use the information, the knowledge and, and things. And, and why is this important? You know, because you, you guys are two, two men who have dedicated an enormous amount of time uh, between traveling and books and, and reading ancient texts and, and Matt's learning how to, to write Sumerian. And, 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 you know, it's just, it's a phenomenal effort, right? You guys have to dedicate, it's no joke. And so the question has to be, you know, once you get past your teen years is why are you doing the things that you're, you're doing and what you hope to learn, you know, from that. And so I kind of wanted to kick also portions of this off and, and you guys can, can fill in the blanks here. But with the current events and things going on right now, consciousness and Afghanistan um, and just the collective consciousness, uh, I was having a discussion with somebody who was asking me if the law, let's say the uh, the secret in a certain sense, this, this, um, uh, as you are within, so without, uh, does that really truly represent mankind? And does that truly represent what's going on, say in, in Afghanistan? Are we to say that the consciousness at that 
certain place and within those people is causing that, it's a hard thing for for someone to to truly grasp, you know. And uh, so I, I'm curious if if your guys' uh, texts and knowledge, what what does it speak about the relationship between consciousness, mankind, and do we have an effect on this 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 world around us in that sense? Are we creating these things and and what that says? Well, I tend to think that we are creating it collectively. I think the collective consciousness creates reality, even though we have a certain amount of control over our own reality tunnels. So there's a tunnel that we ourselves can control to a certain point, to a certain extent. And so within that tunnel, we have the hermetic principle of cause and effect, which you know goes and is actually going to be talked about in some of my parts of the book. And so we're talking about uh, decisions that you make, and every decision you make will have a consequence. Whether it's a good consequence or a bad consequence, that decision will have a consequence. And so, uh, when you're in this reality tunnel that you that you that you have access to, you're basically able to create ripples in space time that will alter your own future reality in the third dimension, based off of conscious and thought, conscious and in conscious intent, conscious thought, and energy that you put behind those thoughts and intents. And so that ripple goes out and takes things that are in what we call in physics, superposition, multiple realities that can occur. And it kind of slams and isolates one particular reality and brings that into the tunnel where you are. And you are on a trajectory or a collision course directly with that based off of decisions you could have made 10 years ago, 20 years ago, five minutes ago, 100 years ago, one second ago. It varies as we are living in this uh, moment by moment, uh, you know, third dimensional reality. And so collectively, though, as a global planet, we are all helping to create and manifest reality on this planet based off of what's going on in our, our internal thought, our consciousness, our ideologies, our belief systems and all of that. And also the amount of fear that we're operating under, the PTSD that we're operating under, the depression that we're operating, all that comes into play with a global connective consciousness, just like the Internet. And so you'll see the turmoil manifesting on particular parts of the planet based off of what's happening in the manifestation of the complete consciousness of the planet. It can isolate in different areas, but it doesn't mean particularly those people in those areas caused that trauma. It can be coming from all the collective consciousness as if you if you're living in a house and your house, for example, your office desk is all messy and and it's, a tr it's trash and your house is trash and everything else is filthy. That's showing that inside of you, you filled up with so much trauma and chaos that there's nothing left on the inside and it spills over to the, your outside world. And so when you see these things going on like in Afghanistan and what's going on in South Africa and all these other places, we're looking at the spilling up, the full, the fullness, the fullness of human consciousness globally and the spilling over is what's happening on the outside. What starts on the inside then eventually makes it to the outside. It's not the opposite way around. And so it shows us that we still have a lot more work to do. We still have to really tap into the global consciousness. We have to continue to wake people up, raise them up, and we have to continue to teach them about the ancient past because all these things that are going on now are not new. <laughs> this is ancient stuff that's been going on for millennia in cycles. And so we have to get people to see into the distant past so we know because the past is prologue. And if the past is prologue, if we can go back and access these horrors and these detriments and these tortures and everything else that's gone on and these bad political systems and everything else. And we can, we can isolate them and figure out 
Where did we go wrong? How can we now see this, understand it, and then correct ourselves so that we can have a better future? I think that's really what uh, you know we're, we're trying to do, myself and Matt. We're trying to create a better future by tapping into this ancient past and giving people a real idea of what really happened. How can we clean up our consciousness? How can we repro reprogram ourselves? How can we open up ourselves to understand that change is needed and how to create that change based off of what happened in the ancient past? So that's my take on it. You know, I don't know, Matt may have a slightly different one, but that's what I that's what I see. Yes. Uh, Will, can I add a little bit of a layer to that? For sure. So that was very well said, Billy. And I want to add even another another layer that I really see as part of this research. And it's it, sometimes it can be an uncomfortable truth to understand. But what Billy said was spot on. We're what's called conscious co-creators of reality. The world is mostly made up of people that don't realize the power that they have. So essentially what happens is they allow the creating of that reality through consciousness through others. So others direct them. This is how I should feel. This is how I should think. Therefore, that's what I project. So the reality that's around us is almost somewhat of an illusion because it's based largely on, well, the old paradigm of control through fear and manipulation, but it is eroding. It's eroding all around us. And there's, I'm obviously I'm looking very positively towards the future, but there are things right now that need to be known. What's going on in the Middle East right now with Afghanistan is the same story in a similar sense that, in a similar sense, in terms of what ISIS was used for, not, not the goddess of Egypt, the, yeah, yeah. the terrorist group that was funded. There's a lot of evil still that rules our world. That doesn't mean that we just accept it and then allow it to continue. We accept it, but then we decide to make changes. We take back our creative um, responsibility on this planet and not let them do it. And what I mean by that is when you trace all the dark money and origins, things that happened on the, in the, under the table at the CIA, CIA, Federal Reserve, the Central Bank, what you find is unfortunately a system of funding secretly either conflict through wars or in some ways creating um, and fueling a, a terrorist organization. It really all goes back, and I'm not going to go down this, this hole too far, but it really goes back to everything from 9-11 to everything that happened with ISIS to everything that the Taliban are doing now. If you have a, um, an economy that's 70% based on mi the military uh, funding, you have to have justification for that uh, spending. Imagine if, let's say, we went through 10 years of no war, and then we had Senate hearings where they're, time, they're looking at the budget, and they're like, why are we still paying 70% of the GDP of the entire United States towards the military when we don't need to anymore? Mm -hmm. Well, to prevent that, and on many, many other levels, you essentially create conflict. But more importantly, you create a conflict in a very specific way that can be used as propaganda for fear. Yes, there's terrible things happening in Afghanistan. Yes, there are people suffering, and it's absolutely horrible. But the other thing we got to understand is it's part of us being controlled through fear and then allowing and almost pushing for military action. Okay, that's what this is to restart the wheels of the military industrial complex. We have to look at this and say, Afghanistan needs help with the people through all these organizations that can help them, but we don't need to go into war. There is other ways to resolve this. Okay, the Taliban are being used as a tool. 
They're using as used as a tool for fear in the population, and they're being used as a tool for military intervention. So, uh, I, ha- I have two things to that, which is um, clearly from behind the scenes, it's 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 evident to a whole lot more people now, uh, and not just I would say the U.S. government, obviously, but many governments. They're backhanded deals and shadow deals uh, to to keep the military industrial complex just moving along. You know, it's clearly in their best interest and it's clearly in the interest of, of them holding their power. Um, and so for most people, I think that even want to delve into that, it's, it's well-documented. That's yeah. not a conspiracy theory. <laughs> we have all of these, these things from false flag attacks to, yeah. you know, to simply just getting rid of leaders when they no longer are interested in doing what the government says. So, um, it's it's evident that that's kind of where we are, and that is eroding because you can see it's clear that a lot of people are having some issues believing anything that the government says to the point that they don't believe anything anyone says uh, anymore. Uh, you know, so we're, we we swing completely over to to that end. But I wanted to t- to, to throw two things on you guys that you just mentioned, uh, Matt. You you mentioned that a lot of people don't understand their uh, the power that they have, and Billy, it's something that you actually said previously in uh, the other podcast. So my question to you guys, first off, would be, how does one know the limit of their power? And what are you supposed to do in general? If if I'm living in a collective consciousness and you say I have a tunnel, you say I can affect this. Well, clearly, just like uh, some people have natural inherent talents. And, and when I had Dean, Dean Radin uh, on the podcast, he, he spoke about this. I mean, there must be people who are, there are geniuses in math. There are geniuses in sports. There, there are guys born with different talents. Are there some people among us who are the Michael Jordan of affecting their reality? And do we know who they are? Are they all celebrities uh, or something like this? Or are these people who we, we don't know and they're, they're a monk somewhere and they're simply enjoying helping the world through being peaceful and meditating and knowing that they're making a difference? Right. You know, and I, I what does that mean for the everyday person? I think Billy Carson is a star because I think he's one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That's man. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> a, that's, answer, a big, that's a big compliment. Wow. Um, <laughs> I think that there are people here that uh, are able to um, to find a way to break through the matrix a lot easier than others. It's just like, you know, I was teaching a manifest workshop, manifest destiny workshop last year, and we were talking about how to, how to manifest your, your reality financially. Because people were struggling and they're trying to figure out how can I get to the next level so I can take care of my family better. And one person, uh, you know, was asking a question during a workshop. Well, you know, I'm doing meditation and I'm trying to eat better and I'm trying to be healthy and I'm trying to be positive and everything else. But there's someone that I know that's totally negative, that's totally just, you know, you know, evil and, and nasty, treats people bad and is always able to manifest money a lot easier for their family. And I said, well, you have to understand that manifesting is a, is a frequency. And some people are just resonating on that frequency, regardless of what they do. Otherwise, they just have that ability. There's people that are born into this world with the epigenetic memory of only being successful. And their bloodline and their family line have always had that particular talent to, to, to manifest uh, money, to, to manage money, uh, to understand how to utilize it, to understand how to leverage it. 
and it got, went down from generation to generation to generation. And they don't even understand the concept of poverty. Or they don't even understand the concept of not being being laid on a light bill. It's not even in their brain. It never existed in their mind. So regardless of the other things that they do, that particular talent just seems to be innate in them. And I think that goes for almost anything you could think of in the universe. And so there are people here that are able to uh, have a better, a better, on a resonate on a better frequency to, to understand how to control their reality tunnel, to create the reality that they want for themselves, to manipulate the matrix itself, and to know how to play in the matrix. So the matrix is here, and there's no way to get out of it, but you can manipulate it. You can bend it. You can bend it to your will. And so I think that there there are people here. And so some people who may not have that or realize that they have that innate ability, it may take them a little bit more effort, a little bit more practice more meditation, more affirmations, more positive mindset, more brain heart coherence, uh, you know, uh, uh, things like that, where they have to really check themselves on a consistent basis uh, and make sure that they're in alignment with themselves. And, you know, just all these things that they'll have to do, maybe more than another person. When I want to manifest something, I can literally just focus on it and it just comes into my reality where somebody else, it may take them, you know, a little bit more effort than me. And for whatever reason, it could just be that I'm on some particular frequency where these things just really easily flow to me. And somebody else may have to go through a process, more of a ritualistic type of a process to help bring that into into their reality. Uh, But overall, I believe that everyone has the ability. We all have the ability to reprogram our DNA, which is really helping to bend that matrix code because if you say positive affirmations three times a day for 21 days, scientifically proven, peer-reviewed science, you will reprogram, you will rewrite your DNA. We can also uh, overcome the effect of epigenetic memories. Every person has 15 to 20 years, or t- sorry, 15 to 20 generations of epigenetic memories from their ancestors in their bodies. Again, more peer-reviewed science. So what happened to my ancestors, you know, throughout slavery and everything else, all that's inside of my body. The PTSD, the fear, the tortures, the pain, the anguish, and all that stuff is inside of me. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And so that can cause people to have, you know, uh, feelings of, neglect, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. And they can be like, my life is great. Why am I feeling like this? It's in the epigenetics. And so again, positive affirmations, knowing how to align with your brain heart coherence and practicing that. Uh, and, and, you know, and all the things that it takes to really work on yourself, become a master of self, will allow you to then uh, be more effective in, you know, in, in manifesting and manipulating your reality tunnel. 
But the people that don't know about this and they succumb to these emotions and these feelings and can't figure out where they came from and fall into deep depressions, which, are, which is so real, they end up becoming a victim of their own biology. And it holds them back in so many different ways, you know. So it really becomes a part of, of educating yourself about yourself, who you are, how to reprogram yourself, how to maintain a high frequency vibration, operating in gratitude, operating in service to others, operating in... Um, uh, you know, in meditation, healthy eating, exercise, grounding, getting out in nature and physically grounding with the earth. So you can take those negative ions into the body and you can t get away to get rid of that positive charge so that you can become in more resonant frequency with the planet, which ha which adds a lot of healing, takes away inflammation, takes away brain fog, makes you think better, all these things. So there's a there's a huge list of things which, which I talk about in a lot of my classes to try to get people to become better you know, at be being able to do these things. Yeah, I just wanted to add something to what Billy said there. That was really well said. Essentially, think of it as if we were like an antenna for um, a specific signal. That signal only could be obtained through a certain vibrational frequency. Okay, think of it that way. It's almost like if you have a radio and the radio is, is turned to the wrong station. Okay, and that wrong station would be like a lower vibrational frequency. As beings, if you like in the back here, this banner I have, we have chakra centers of energy up our spinal cord that represent the different levels of vibrational frequency that we are obtaining on a molecular level. That's the core of what we are. Like Billy said, you can alter your DNA. You, you actually can. You actually can alter your entire DNA structure by what he said, focusing on certain paths and goals and then obtaining a certain health status within yourself so that your body can reflect the vibration you're trying to achieve. Someone who is unhealthy, but still loves to read and do all this stuff is not going to be able to obtain that certain higher state unless they can actually get their body in that healthy state, not, um, not drinking the tap water with fluoride and chlorine in it, but going to get spring water, eating healthy foods, exercising, like Billy said, getting out and getting connected with nature, grounding yourself, then start to work with things like you have to sit down and start meditating and understanding, getting to the higher states of your vibration that are non-materialistic, closing your eyes and tuning to a higher energetic state and then manifesting that in your life. It's very difficult. And one of the things that I remember when I started this whole process was I had called it holding your light, this the light of higher consciousness, because holding it meant you have conversations with people that are like-minded like this and you feel that higher state of energy from connecting and talking about this. And you may hold that, that awareness and that feeling for a certain amount of time and then it's going to perhaps collapse. And you're going to fall back into a different state of energy and you may start to recognize that. And the second you become aware of your energy changing, you can then focus on only having it be at that higher state. And as you do that, you become like a beacon or a lighthouse in the darkness to guide all the rest of them because we have a resonant frequency field that it, that it that can gets created around us that becomes larger and more influential based on the higher vibrational we, we can obtain. That's why ancient monks, monks in Tibet would go up on top of mountains and, and meditate and project their vibrational frequency and energy out into the world to try to raise up the rest of the, of the humans there because we have lived in such a history of um, misinformation and suppression and, and um, 
misrepresenting of what we really are and understanding all of these gifts that we have, that most of society is living in that state of being almost asleep. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't blame them for that. It's a system of control. And it was for me on my personal journey, it was very difficult to break free of that. It would often be uh, you, I remember having sessions where you, you'll listen to some audio book or watch some incredible video or read a book. And all of a sudden you'll be like, I feel like I understand. And I feel really different right now. But then the next morning you wake up and you go, you sort of go back to that old controlled mindset that holds on. It doesn't seem to want to let go of its grip on you is you have to work hard. You have to do it on a daily basis. Cause what Billy says, talks about all the time, it's about reprogramming the mind and your DNA. And the only way to do that is to cleanse yourself of things like fluoride and decalcify your pineal gland in order to have your third eye truly see the, the non-physical reality that actually uh, binds us here. We are physical beings that are spiritual in nature, but having a physical experience here. And we have to understand that everything is about experience and everyone is on a different level. But like Billy said, everyone has the potential in them to be those creators and to reach those higher states. Well, you asked in the very beginning, you know, what is the higher state that that person can achieve and can everyone achieve that? I think that everyone can, but we all have different challenges and difficulties to get there. Whether it's um, karma from past lives or traumas that, that stay within us that we need to take care of, we cannot move forward with energy unless we get rid of all those negative things that hold us back. It's, it truly is like a cleanse of the mind and body. And I got to tell you, this road to get here so many challenges and so difficult. You lose so many friends, you change and you meet new friends. Life can be very challenging, but in the end, this is truly what matters in this existence more than anything else. This is our purpose here is to, once we move past um, the more primitive sides of our nature, we have to look at the bigger picture and, and understand that we are not animals on this planet. We're stewards of this earth. We're designed perfectly and specifically for the density and ratios of this terrestrial body to be in perfection here. So we have to remember that. And I think the last thing I just want to say is that there have been times all throughout history when great sages and masters have emerged in society. They look forward every year when they're trying to find uh, the new Buddha, when they, not every year, but every time they have a transition. And it's because we live lifetime after lifetime in different bodies, but we're all those grandmasters and sages talk about, talked about in antiquity. They're here right now because this is the great show. The great show when you get transitioned from a negative polarity of, of Pisces to a positive polarity of Aquarius, the more negative a time period is, it's always balanced by the more positive another one will be. So this is our time period when co-creators need to come together to create, to, to, to reach that next age. It's always been called the next golden age and that's what we're heading towards. So I hope everybody remembers that and all the great sages that are out there, this is the time right now. That's yeah, that's, it's such an interesting thing because that transition and these type of things, they can't happen unless you're conscious, right? You can't become a truly great, you can't become truly great at anything if you're uh, unconscious. Um, and so it's, wildly important for people to understand how important it is, like you said, to you, you can't over overstate the importance of keeping a clean and disciplined and trying to discipline your mind in order to to do that. You because you will never know what sort of junk and things you're accepting from the outside. You 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 won't even know what you have inside, right? Like from from your own biology. You if, if you can't stop to listen. So 
there's such a, and it is a good thing to see, regardless of if uh, mindfulness has become a buzzword in that sense for maybe some businesses and stuff like that. It's regardless because we all know that if you just get people to meditate, and essentially if you get people to stop and, and, and just calm, that there will be good things happen. You, you will start to have an awareness, even if you, you set out to use mindfulness to go to the stock market and, and that was your, you know, it's just, uh, it really doesn't matter. You know, at, at a certain point, that awareness will start to kick in. And so you, you guys touched on something a little bit, and I want to throw it just a little bit to history again with the, the idea of a collective consciousness. Do you guys believe truly, or is there evidence to suggest that there was a proper global society in the past? Um, because we're taught essentially that they're not. Uh, I mean, even the great civilizations, whenever they popped up, were essentially taught that they more or less, they were there, then they, they fell out. And was there a according to you guys or what you've seen ever a civilization or a time period in um our past where these these truths were understood and humanity was in that state i mean maybe not a true uh utopia but something more elevated than where we're at now well i think that there were um definitely there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that we had achieved golden ages in the ancient past you know, one particular is the, the Atlantean civilization. I don't believe it was just a ringed circle city, and that was Atlantis. I think Atlantis, in my opinion, was not even just a global civilization because there's evidence of, of these Atlanteans all over the planet. I think it was an interplanetary. I don't want to interrupt you. Sorry to, sorry to cut you off, but for the people that have no idea what Atlantis yeah. is, okay. could, you, could, you throw it, <laughs> yeah. could you throw it to? <laughs> uh, well, Atlantis is a super ancient civilization, deep, deep antiquity of beings that came to this planet, in my opinion, from what I've read so far, uh, beings that came to this planet and kind of really created a breakaway civilization, so to speak. In other words, a civilization that where they left their home planets and they came here and, uh, and they utilized this planet for resources, created their own cities, their own kingdoms, so to speak, where they ruled. They had capitals all over the planet and they achieved high levels of civilization. This is uh, antediluvial. This is before the big floods, you know, happened. And uh, 10,000 years ago, oh, roughly. Oh, or even further, than, even back further. than that. Yeah, way I mean, further, way, okay. way, way further back than that. And so these beings, in my opinion, seem to have had achieved a high level and some of the uh, you know, remnants of texts that were left behind, including some of the, the Emerald Tablets, you know, Thoth talks about incredible levels of advanced technology, spiritual technology, also things like understanding how to use photons and cymatic frequencies to manifest matter into existence. Um, you know, uh, understanding how to use cymatics to alter your reality tunnel and change the effect that things were going to have on you in your life. Uh, just so many different uh, great things that are talked about spiritually and technologically, and even sometimes a combination of both that led me to believe that there was a, an advanced civilization that ruled over this planet that had many capitals. Um, I, I was just down in Akrotiri in Greece. I went over to Santorini, went to Akrotiri, where there's a, an Atlantean city is what they actually call it. An Atlantean city that's buried by volcanic ash. They had four story houses there. They, this is this the, the the evidence has already been tested. These are four thousand year old houses that use steel rebar inside the molded poured, poured molded concrete brick <laughs> structure. 
toilets on the second floor, PVC type piping, running, plumbing throughout the entire city. It's where I was at the dig site. I mean, this is all on video. And so we're talking about very high level technologically, very high level spiritually. And I believe that even after the Great Flood, there was one more small golden age that occurred in the land of Kem, where you had the Dogon tribe that were ruling over the land of Kem. They had entered into a golden age and they didn't have an army. They had no police force. They had no crime. And then unfortunately, though, they were, they were <laughs> that was like a beacon for some people. And so you're going to take this over. And they, they took it over. And then they ended up migrating out to Mali, Africa. But there have been smaller golden ages that have cropped up. But I think there was once a massive uh, global golden age. Yeah. Um, can I expand on that really quickly? Oh, please. Yeah, please. So um, the more that I've studied the ancient indigenous cultures of Peru and Bolivia, looking at the discussions that come out of when you talk to those people and you look at the evidence of locations like Tiwanaku and uh, Pumapunku, these strange sites of H blocks and perfectly laser cut stones, these giant gateways, what they talk about is that there was once two continents that no longer exist on the planet. Now, the information for those two places has been largely lost. It's only contained in a couple minor places. And I know this is new to some people, so I'll go over it. But in Bolivia and Peru, Peru, we find ancient um, megalithic stone masonry and every, everything from uh, Machu Picchu and the Inca, the pre-Inca and um, Oyete Tambo and Saxque Waman and all those sites and into the also other ones near Lake Kitikaka that I spoke about, like Pumapunco and Tiwanaku. They speak of their um, progenitors, their ancestors coming from a, an ancient land called Mu, M-U, okay? That, that was existing at the same time as Atlantis, okay? Mu was the Pacific civilization, the ancient civilization that reached great states that was from the Hawaiian Islands down through Fiji and over um, to Easter Island. That was the area of the land of Mu. Now, when that was being destroyed, the fragment of it that remained was called Lemuria. That's what that whole, all those ancient stories that come from Hawaii all the way down through Tongo and all the way over to South America, there was a, an advanced civilization that lived there. At the same time, in the Atlantic, Atlantis, um, we find through the Plato's writing of the Timius, the Timius and Critias that he, his, those stories were carried down from an ancient uh, politician named Solon. Solon was a Greek politician who traveled to Egypt, one of the first um, Westerners to ever go to Egypt, and he met with the priests and the, the high, high priests of Egypt at that time, and they told him a great story. They said that their ancestors that created all of Egypt and the pyramids, notice the, the region of Chem that Billy mentioned, was a breakaway group that came from Atlantis, and that before them was another continent that was west of the Pillars of Hercules, the Straits of Gibraltar, in the mid-Atlantic, right where the ridge is, where all the um, earthquakes and things can happen, there was another subcontinent there called Atlantis. And it had two capital cities, Poseidon and Atlas. And those two cities ruled this continent. Now, here's what's interesting. I want to connect all of this. They speak about how there was a great war back then, both on a physical level with war, but also on a level of nature um, and the gods. It was basically a time when Lemur, uh, Mu Lemuria was described as 
a divine feminine energy of creation, a place that was more in tune with nature. You can see remnants of that in places like Suezi in Indonesia and um, some of the islands like Borobudur, some of the some of the temples on those islands. There are remnants of those cultures in the in those Southeast Asian areas. It was much more is a very different design. They were more more in tune with nature. It was uh, a civilization based on knowledge and spirituality as its focus. Now Atlantis is spoken about as starting like that, but then taking a completely different path, becoming obsessed with uh, wealth and military power and eventually using technologies to literally disrupt the entire electromagnetic field of the earth and was one of the catalysts for these great earth changes that looks like it came along and basically destroyed everything in the ancient world. And what, what we're talking about now is we don't even know if this is what's known as the Younger Dryas disasters that occurred at the last end of the last ice age 12,000 years ago. This may be from a previous age that we're hearing about this, um, like maybe it's 30, 37,000 years ago. We don't know, but we know in these increments that there were great civilizations here that were in stages destroyed. They all write the same thing that it didn't happen at one moment. Parts of these continents and areas were like wiped out because ocean levels were rapidly fluctuating and the earth was going through really um, huge changes. Volcanoes are going off everywhere, earthquakes. So the people of these subcontinents, the mystics and and the secret societies all grouped together and they went off to different parts of the world to recreate civilization because they knew based on all the information they had, understanding the cycles of the zodiacs and the energy of the sun, the planets, they knew that there was going to be, and this is what they write about, a final set of tidal uh, tsunamis, tidal waves, that would destroy everything in the world. All of the ancient cultures that were on these continents would be destroyed. So these bands of mystics went off to sites like Tiwanaku, Bolivia, Machu Picchu, Saskatchewan, Oye Tambo, up through the Americas, Chichen Itza, down through Palenque, um, uh, and Teotihuacan, right? All across the world, creating Kem, the pyramids of Egypt, Gobekli Tepe. These, in the, a lot of areas in Anatolia and around the Mediterranean, they, they, had, they attempted to create an entirely new set of civilizations that would also be mapped with the stars and the, the ley lines of the earth to try to prevent the entire catastrophe of the world, okay? Those continents were being destroyed, imagine. These, these civilizations are rising up to, to almost race to try to balance it. They're creating enormous libraries woven into silica of megalithic temples that we can't even understand because they're not in third-dimensional writing. Libraries are deep underground underneath Egypt. Gilbekli Tepe, they were burying it at this time because they knew that these disasters were coming to try to protect all these sites, hiding things in caves. Then what happens? The cataclysms come through just as they predicted and nearly everything is destroyed. The progenitors of those civilizations find these temples mostly destroyed and try to attempt to build on top of them. And the knowledge every time, because there's series of different events that it seemed to occur throughout history, the knowledge is lost more and more every epic until you get to the point where we're at now over the last 5,000, 6,000 years where humanity is a shell of its former self and we have fallen from a state of grace to completely forgetting our understanding of spirituality and our connection with the cosmos. And we're trying to get back there as soon as we can so if we, so we don't get wiped out again. Exactly. Perfectly said. <laughs> yeah. And 
and and I've always wondered though for for that to be for for that to have happened and for us to have at least some shards of the truth of of these great civilizations that existed you know we don't understand necessarily how the, the pyramids are built i guess depending on who you ask right some people will just say oh well they just carried it like this that and that and the other you know um but there are a whole ton of mega megalithic structures all over the earth that we really cannot truly understand or we're not supposed to because the civilizations that were there at that time they're also painting them maybe as uh you know nomadic cultures you know with spears just kind of hunting and then they just happen to know how to build you know maybe something <laughs> yeah, right. you know exquisite yeah uh, so you mentioned spiritual technology and this is something that i've always been curious about with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some of the smartest minds in the world I know um, are constantly trying to come up with new things. And if they have an understanding of this knowledge, then whether they're in the government or in a private sector, they must be trying to come up with these things based on the texts and things. So my question is, what is it? What did those, what did those previous civilizations have that was so far off? Because you know, uh, even 100 years ago, our, our phones and the fact that we're having this conversation yeah. is magic, right, right. To, <laughs> to them. We can't possibly even understand what a spiritual, I mean, the word spiritual technology, I don't even know that I've ever heard that someone to even understand it i guess it could look like you know attaching something to your brain is what we would you know we're so materialistic in that sense that's what it is and it's here this is the seat of our consciousness and but what is that what would that be do you guys have any understanding of what possibly yeah. even like daily life was like for them and what we are trying so, to create here that is allowing people to tap into things yeah absolutely so we're talking about mastering coherent thought waves and so we know that every thought that we think, including every thought that everyone's thinking right now watching this show, is creating a wave of light that actually penetrates out of the skull. And so this is why we know that the Akashic Records and the Book of Life is real, because every thought that was ever thought about from every sentient being in the entire universe exists in space-time, just like the radio waves from I Love Lucy from the 1960s are still floating through space right now. And if you have the right machinery you can pick up that frequency so now what's interesting about our light waves is i'm thinking a thought it leaves my skull and we know this because if i put a cap on you with sensors on it i can send that light wave to a computer and i can analyze it on a computer system so that light wave that leaves your skull is encoded with information each one each one of those waves of frequency waves we can't see the lights because we, human beings can only see one percent of the light wave frequency but those light waves are there 
they're waves of light and they're encoded with information data. Once you can master your coherent thought wave patterns and then you create technology that receives those coherent thought waves, like if you're driving a car, you don't have to drive the car with your hands and your eyes, wait for visual input and, and then, you know, manual control. You can think the, where you're going and you can control the vehicle from thought. You can control the airplane or the spaceship or whatever you're flying, the vessel you, you're traveling in from coherent thought waves. If you want to make a phone call, you have an earbud in your ear and you just think about who you're going to call and then the device will call that person and then from there you can have your conversation and even deeper in the future you don't even have to move your mouth you can be it can all be done through what seems to be psychic abilities i did a workshop where i was talking about manifesting your destiny last year and there's a segment in there where i show a video from a technology company they have this crown that just sits on your head this crown picks up your light waves and then that crown connects to your appliances in your house it connects to even a remote control car and so through coherent thought, you're able to move this remote control car around and backwards and forwards and turning left and right, all based on thought. You can activate a refrigerator. You can activate a microwave. You can activate, turn on and off lights by thinking. So when you look into these ancient tablets, it seems to me as if some of the things that they're describing seems to be merged technology in with spiritual consciousness. So they've mastered the ability with coherent thought waves and tech to give them these godlike abilities. There's this one kid at uh, Harvard University, I believe it was, he invented a device that sits over your ear and is tapped into this bone right here so that you can send and receive sound waves without anybody else hearing it instead of going in the ear, right through the bone. But there's also this device which sits on the crown and comes around the ear, it's connected to the internet. So if you ask him a question, he then thinks of the question and queries it to Google virtually from conscious, coherent thought. And then the answer comes back to the bone and transfers the information that he can hear in his head and he can spit back to you what the answer is. I don't care what you ask him. Whatever's available on the internet, he can give you the answer. Now imagine that, that uh, it is 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, maybe even now today, you don't know this technology exists. You're going to think this guy is God, right? He knows everything. You can ask him, how do I do surgery on a, you know, a, a kidney or whatever? This guy's going to give you the answer. And so that type of ability gave these beings this godlike power. You know, we thought it was godlike power, but they just really had advanced knowledge and advanced technology. They had the spiritual technology. They were connected to uh, these systems through coherent thought waves. And they, they, they even understood cymatics to the ability to the point where they can even manifest solid matter. And so that all that to us seems godlike, but in true reality, it's just understanding how to manipulate space, time, the ether, and conscious light waves and, and cymatics. Yeah, and let me just add something to that. Absolutely, Billy. We used to have um, a lot of gifts and talents that we've forgotten. That Absolutely. fall that I mentioned after all of these um, catastrophes have brought us down to level we're at. That knowledge of how to obtain all those states and do all those things was largely lost. And so we are like children, we're like the children of men, right? A great movie um, that just don't really seem to understand what we really are or what we can do to manipulate the forces of nature. Remember, if, we, if you think about where we came from, I just did a great show this morning before this on Eridu and the importance of Eridu. We were created there, according to the tablets, 
to be in the image of the gods. Uh, in, in, in Sumer, they called them the Anus or Anunnaki or Anuna, and we were created in their image of perfection. Uh, we are a god that exists in a physical form as like an experiment to, see, uh, to really see where this could go. And there, um, it's been interesting how the experiment's gone, gone so far. But in, in essence, we had gifts and abilities that we have lost largely now. We used to have, um, you look at the king's list and all the different tablets, humans used to live a lot longer. Um, humans used to have abilities like telekinesis and various abilities that we lost now. But one of the things they understood was their role in the universe in material matter. So when you look at sites like, let's give an example, uh, Baalbek, Lebanon, there's a block there called the Trilithon that weighs 1,100 tons. It would es essentially be like the size of a, like a, like a small school building or like maybe 20 SUVs um, or 20 trucks, I should say, 18 wheelers. Um, it's enormous. It is so enormous that today we aren't even sure we could even move it. Um, cranes can only have a certain maximum uh, weight ability of uh, 500 tons, say, is the common. So when we're looking at these blocks and we're just saying, oh, they could have, they, they easily could have built that. Well, or moved it. Well, how? Well, then you go from that site to Egypt in places like um, the, the Valley Temple and you see blocks that are, you know, over hundred tons. And then you go in the, across the world to, um, to Peru and Bolivia, and you see these ins insane blocks that are put up all, way up on these, um, uh, huge walls that are essentially hundreds, hundreds of tons, perfectly carved, moved in these positions that are, um, so precise that we can't even mimic it today. So how did they do that? How did they, how do they do that stuff? Well, there's an interesting place in Florida called Coral Castle that was, um, constructed by a mysterious man who seems to have figured out using a combination of Nikola Tesla's work and the ancient uh, ancient science of what they used to do. And he mysteriously moved all these giant limestone blocks into position and nobody knows how he did it. Um, people that have supposedly saw him say he did it alone and he, and he did it through some kind of a chanting of his voice and on a, a certain intention. And some people watching this and be like, whoa, what are you, you know, what are you talking about? Well, again, gets back to the idea that we are much greater than we have been made to believe and we currently believe. Back then, the ancients had other gifts that we've lost now, but we can still get those back. But it's one of those things that takes time for us to change our genetics back and get back to that other place that we used to be in. Well, so what do they do? Well, I see it as two different ways that they built these. One, there were literally demigods here that were the direct bloodline descendants of the original beings that created us that were truly magical. And I mean that with a K at the end. They literally were called gods because they could manipulate the forces of nature. And this is what I've come to after really trying to figure this out. They could literally control the forces of nature and they could just move the block with their mind wherever they wanted. Boom. Then there were other sages and mystics that came below them who are like people like us but they still had the understanding and abilities. And so they could potentially move some things, but it was more focused, it seems like, on this organizational of mentally focusing their mind to do it. And perhaps through like chanting, certain own deep sounds used in a certain focus of that, um, that energy can literally, can, it's been shown in labs to like move objects. 
So the, the, the science is there, but it's in a completely different direction than, than conventional thinking is where you have a crane and it's just manual force labor moving something. So there were, there was literally magic that existed back in the day. And that was because you had a, uh, their hermetic law of correspondence as above. So below they mirrored the temples across the earth, right? Giza, Teotihuacan, right up through, like I was talking about with Eridu and um, Quebec de Tepe and sites around the world were literally mirrors of constellations in the heavens. And when you did that, you obtained the energy of the cosmos to create literally a world of energe- energy and magic here. And that when all those temples were destroyed, that connection was, was canceled and we lost all of that, right? The ladder to heaven was withdrawn and we, we basically had to start over again. But that's really what we're talking about is these abilities that used to exist that could come back again if we just would listen to the wisdom of the ancients. Right. Absolutely, Matt. Absolutely. I the the story of Coral Castle is a fascinating one, also, by the way. So for anybody who hasn't hasn't heard that, from what I can remember just off the top of my head, either his wife or someone who someone had broken up with him. It, it, he built the entire complex mm-hmm. uh, as a dedication to someone, I yeah. believe. In in uh yeah, it's it's not understood exactly. You can still go there today. Yeah, I've been there. I, and if I remember correctly, just mentioning what you what you said about the cranes, I believe there's a there was a swinging door to Coral Castle that he had somehow managed to get a massive stone door that anyone like a kid could just come up and push. But it eventually it eroded or it broke sometime after he'd passed, and we can't fix it. We, 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 we like tried to put some sort of hinges like with our modern technology, we couldn't, we can't fix it, you know? So it, it leaves this mystery out for, you know, somebody who may have, yeah, truly discovered, uh, something, you know, incredible. But, uh, I, I want to just move to touching on, I, I listened to a, another podcast that was talking about the benefits of sleep and they went on, they went down a, an interesting tangent when they started to talk about how they feel as if humans are losing their touch to sleep and what sleep does for us and meditation and connection to nature and the other world. And, you know, I myself have had some precognitive dreams, you know, that I didn't ask for, uh, but that, you know, turned out to be real. And so um, what do you think that the, the relationship was for some of these ancient societies uh, their daily life and all the distractions and things that we have, computers and all the stuff that we need in order to to do some of those <laughs> ancient things, to, to just to have this conversation, right? You know, I mean, in a perfect world, if we had telepathy and, you know, and we could all just travel or whatever it is, what do you guys feel as if, how important is that portion of us uh, where it feels like it's possible, even uh, in an unconscious way, that if we even went back 200, 300 years before electronics and before the advent of us were being distracted was considered to be normal um, because uh, that's, that's just the, the way it is now. Do you guys feel that sleep and dreams and the dream state, do you think that, that was more natural to someone even just a, a, a few hundred years back? And in, if so, what that meant for, uh, I mean, we have countless number of uh, things that have been created in, from dreams, uh, even up into to modern time. And obviously the ancients have definitely talked about that, but it, it seems that maybe they had a more conscious control, which is what someone can use uh, lucid dreaming and stuff like that. Do you feel that if we don't, because the way that we are blending with our technology, and you mentioned the guys with the, 
Google and you got Neuralink coming from, you know, Elon Musk. And, and if we get attached to these things, does that mean we lose that forever? I mean, if I don't run, mm -hmm. you, you, you lose <laughs> leg muscle. It's, yeah. it's gone. Like if you just yeah. lay in bed, mm -hmm. it's over, right. you know? So what do you guys feel about that? And, and how did they do that? And how did they keep that balance? That's going to be interesting, you know, uh, to see how everything works. But I know sleep is definitely important. Some people need more sleep than others. That's just a fact. For some reason, some people can get away with a lot less sleep. Um, but uh, you can see it in two different ways. Now, one way, you know, I knew, I, I don't know, eight hours to me seems a little bit much sometimes just because you only have 24 hours in a day. And if you sleep for eight and you work for eight, that's 16. Then you got to commute to work. Usually that's two hours, one up, an hour up, an hour back usually. Uh, and then you got to eat. That's another three hours. Leaves you a couple hours to surf the internet and make a couple of Instagram posts and you can't, day starts over again. You <laughs> yeah. really didn't get anything done for yourself and for your legacy. Um, so it kind of makes it tough. So I try to reduce it a little bit, but what I do when I go to sleep, I don't do it all the time. I try to have controlled dreams where I actually go in under my controlled dream state. And I, it depends on what I'm working on. If I'm trying to manifest something, if I'm trying to create something, if I'm trying to come up with ideas about things, or if I just want to have worked so hard for so many weeks that I don't have a way to get to a vacation right away, then I'll take myself on a vacation in my own dream. And so I try to have controlled dreams as much as possible where I'm actually accomplishing something while I'm in the dream state. And I think that uh, that's probably nothing new. I think that people in ancient times uh, probably had really truth truthfully mastered a lot of that and really were able to travel to realms. Thoth talks about astral travel, you know, leaving out of the body and traveling throughout the universe and things like that. So I think it's probably, you know, it's very, very common if you can get to those higher levels of dream state consciousness. Uh, but I do believe it's very easy to do controlled dreams because I've been doing it now for probably 20 years. Were you, before you touch in there, Matt, were you a natural uh, lucid dreamer or a controlled dreamer or did, was that something that you had to learn? And if so, how? It didn't seem difficult to me, to be quite honest. The first thing I said was, I want to, I wonder if I can just control these dreams. I'm having random dreams. I was like, I wonder if I can control the dream to a certain extent. There are some going to be some ambiguous and some anomalous things that occur. You know, it's hard to get around those things. But for the most part, the storyline of what I'm trying to do, uh, can I go in and do it? And so I just made a conscious effort to do that. And I was like, wow, that actually worked. And I had better memory of the dream when I woke up versus being completely lost as to what happened and trying to, re and trying to figure out what, what happened. And so the more you do it, obviously, anything you do, the more you do, the better you get. But it was, I don't think, I think most people can do it right away. Yeah. So I think uh, one of the things that's been truly lost in our society that the ancients understood was the need for resting both the body and the mind during intervals in order to give it the clarity that needed. We live in such a, um, a society of bombarding us with working most of our life, life and then not having time to explore any of these things, let alone, um, you know, have, focusing your energy in the right place. Um, but I know if you think about, think about like long ago, if you were in ancient culture before, you know, um, before all the technologies we have that bombard us with signals all over the place, um, imagine yourself having time to go into an ancient temple, a temple built of perfection with stonework rising up to the heavens with light streaming through and you sit down on a bench and you pick up some incredible um, book of the ancients that speaks about times long ago gone and, and, and wisdom that they had, that environment is a significant part towards 
understanding that information and being able to um, raise your conscious level because you're able to focus in this the perfect setting and environment focus your mind on that energy of that temple and looking at that book and that that earth energy connected to the ground and all those things and the people back then were not bombarded by all these signals that we have today you drive down the road everyone's wi-fi signals hitting you as you go by disrupting those neural energetic links to your higher consciousness you're tapping yourself immediately into watching tv or on a computer screen and we are losing connection with what we what we need the most to bring us back and that's the earth and quiet and being in tune with the stars and going out in some night where the light pollution is gone and really seeing the wisdom of the conscious, the cosmos coming into you like that antenna that I spoke about. We have to remember that this society that we exist in is bombarding us with these signals and these things. And it's having a great effect on our ability to be a spiritual being. It's causing us to just be like uh, an Elon Musk hybrid AI being. And it's very, very dangerous in my opinion. We can use technology for incredible things like these great conversations with all over the world with us sitting here at the same moment, but seamless. Seeing ancient sites that you pretend maybe can never visit, but you get an incredible high def 360 degree image to almost be there. Technology can be used for wondrous things, but it can also be used to be completely distracting individuals away from um, seeking knowledge and books and understanding those things. So we have to be very careful about where it's going and just realize the technology that we have available to us. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would echo that. Yeah, <laughs> as well. It's a tough thing, though, right? Because we're all born into this. I mean, everyone has to, as you guys say, reprogram the mind and reprogram that. And it's something we learn rather than it being natural. What a crazy different society it would be if, for instance, meditation was a 45 minute class you had to take Monday to Friday throughout grade school, high school, and yeah. then you could major in it in college. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even want to know what that person, you know, would, yeah. would look like. They, the consciousness, the difference would be astounding, Incredible, right? Yeah. From someone. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, it, it, it does beg the question, um, and this is just the last, the last two things I just want to get in. It begs the question, number one, if so many people out there have recognized it and so many people have understood this and there are governments that uh have wings of their um of their of their governments that do understand these things and these advancements in technology hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Why is it not prevalent? Is that by nature for you guys? Do you guys feel as if it is being suppressed? Or do you feel as if we are also possibly just allowing um, that to happen? Because it's it's better for me to just go home and then watch Kevin Hart talk a little bit and just go to, go to sleep uh, or, or whatever. You know, so we kind of want the distraction at this point, it seems like. And also... It could be that they're just making sure I say they, but it could be as so some people who understand how powerful it is are making it as if hey, you don't need to do that, you know? So uh, I, I don't know what you guys 
feel or is there a, a balance between the both of them? Yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, we're a product of what they've, the system that they've, you know, uh, taught to us from the time you're very young. The first thing you're given is the name of race and religion. And you spend the rest of your life defending a false identity. You don't even know who you are. And then you get into a educational uh, system institution and where they program you and take away your dreams and all the other things, your the creativity and put you into a box and stamp you and go, go down this, you know, down this line here. This is, you know, this conveyor belt's going to take you to the end where you're going to be, you know, have a chance to become a doctor or a lawyer or attorney, which most people never become. And then they fall off. They go to college and they, they rarely ever even do what they went to college for. But I think that uh, if you were to, if we were to change the educational system and really find out through different types of, um, of aptitude tests, what a child's passions are and what their natural abilities are, and then focus on those passions and natural abilities and put them in special classes just to focus mostly on that. You still have to learn some of the other things, but to focus on that and, and let them develop and grow those abilities and passions, as well as teaching them things like meditation and mindfulness, this planet would look totally different right now. Like we just wouldn't even be, it wouldn't be recognizable to us right now. We'd open our eyes and, and we think that we were on another planet. And so I think that's where things need to be and where they need to go. Eventually in the future, I think we'll get to that point, you know? Yeah. And uh, that was essentially what um, the, the title of my first book, The Illusion of Us, that was the whole purpose behind that title is that we lose, we live in a great illusion here. We live in an illusion based on certain archetypal creations of how things should be, how we should think, um, who we should associate with, um, what we should be doing in our life with our time. And it has created what is somewhat sometimes loosely called like the matrix of reality here. It is what's woven into what we think of as what we should be doing, who we are, all those things. It's, that's the system here. Now, part of that growth process and the difficulty of what we were talking about earlier of reaching those higher states of consciousness is realizing that exists, seeing it from an, an objective observer, meaning from the outside and looking at it and saying, well, I still have to play the game because you have to, because that's the way reality has been designed, but I can choose to make changes to it and bring conscious awareness towards a different kind of version, right? It didn't need to be like this. In fact, the more that I've studied it, studied it, and Billy has too, and we obviously absolutely have the same opinion. It was very much um, a very clever design, actually, to create a system of uh, productivity through the masses with conformity and thought. It, it started. Um, you can actually trace it to one single moment in history when Constantine decided to reforge the Roman Empire to become the Holy Roman Empire, and at that point was when you found the rewriting of most of those um, ancient texts, the, the, the Christian texts that became the Abrahamic religions of the world, and then carrying out towards things like um, uh, money being the basis of, of currency here rather than um, what things used to be back in the day, um, like resources like um, precious metals and um, gemstones with that, that have actual value. It became um, a system that was based on a certain commodity. So some people don't know, but currency started in Sumer with uh, a bushel of wheat, and that was known as a shekel. That was based on the amount of uh, a, a certain amount of wheat because it was integral to, to their economy. It was an agricultural-based economy, which now most farms are these giant mega farms that aren't even really connected to a lot of society, which is, which is part of that path. 
It was a division that occurred based on a synthetic, chemical, um, artificial reality versus one that's natural. Having everything be based on plants, things like hemp and everything being biodegradable and solar power. Instead of that path, those individuals that wanted to go there were in many cases silenced and just sort of disappeared. And then the others, the powerful organizations of the pharmaceutical industry and uh, the banking industry and those individuals on that side largely took control of the direction that we would go. And that's why we ended up in such a technological society that's not based on spirituality, that's based on just being a productive um, uh, drone, not someone like Billy said, where this child of wonder and imagination that's fascinated by something that can contribute in a certain way, instead of being guided with that mentality, that's more of a conformed mentality that destroys those imaginatory areas and just says, look, if you can master this doctrine and get it all right and memorize it, then you can become this and become this in successful. And if you don't, and you don't want to go along with this, well, we're going to society through the hierarchy system of schooling and the rest of society will sort of shun you into a corner until you do. And that's where we find ourselves right now. But that's changing. More and more individuals all the time are banding together and realizing this common ancient uh, wisdom of, that we used to have of who we, who we are and who we were. And it's starting, that system is eroding. It's, it's like a conflict right now of this path that we have right now continuing and this alternate path literally going like side by side right now. And this collective consciousness society through the war of information is fighting for us to choose one path or another. And we, as this, that collective is largely being steered towards the path of spirituality and, and, and oneness and um, equilibrium balance, because that's where we're supposed to go as the cycles of energy. The ancients knew that. Thank God that was woven into the system, the higher, higher system, not the system we have here, the system of the universe and vibration and frequency, because we are naturally going towards that path and those, that, that old path is, is being rejected more and more. So you're seeing sort of a hybrid path that's, that's going right now. So the, in, the future is going to be interesting, but I'm very, very optimistic um, because it's that hundredth monkey, monkey effect. It doesn't take the whole society to change, to have this thing alter. It just takes a few of us to provide that, that beacon in the darkness so that the rest can sort of realize like, no, where are we, where are we going? That's not the way. And then, you know, you'll see that light at the other side. And I feel like, you know, individuals like us on the show and so many others that are fighting for this, we're fighting to both change the narrative of history that's been falsely created, right? Change the view of religion to fall back on spirituality and what we used to be, and then change the direction of how we see ourselves and how we contribute to this world. We need to realize that we're stewards. Clean up the planet. Stop trashing it. Realize, bring back respect for this ancient earth Gaia that we had once. Let's return to this golden age that we've been leading towards all along. Yeah, absolutely. And I um, would definitely say that it's it's so important for everybody to, that hundred hundredth monkey effect is is a pretty crazy thing because you will definitely notice, and you can notice this. I notice it personally. Anytime I go to a store and I notice someone who doesn't enjoy their job or their work, or they've, they've fallen prey to this, uh, that drone mentality, and they're in a place that they don't want to be in, and they're there just because they need the money, or they're actually not even sure why they're there. Right. Um, and a lot of times, if you hold a positive, 
you know, if you hold that positive outlook, that mindset, if you start joking, you can generally pull them right on to yeah. your, and then that spreads, right? Yeah. And then that spreads because if it doesn't, you could, you could also sink right down. You know, if you're in the wrong, you know, you don't want to have to even call it vibration. If you're in the wrong mood, you know, and you get and you meet that person and, and they feel like crap. And then you take, you suck on that energy and then you just go to your next place and you spread that. It's crazy to think we never think like that. But if, if you just kept spreading this positivity, you know, in a proper, genuine, sincere way, it really, it spreads, you know, and it's this crazy beacon. So I have one last question if you guys have time mm -hmm. for it, uh, sure. if you guys are cool. Uh, okay. Then this, time, this, this, yeah. yeah. Are you good, Billy? Or, good, yeah. Good. Okay. Uh, this, um, this last one deals with time. Um, and you mentioned the Akashic Records, which you might want to just give uh, everybody just a, a quick uh, idea of what that is. But uh, trying to understand time and linear time, uh, the way it's it's put out towards us. And if you, you know, say, for instance, have a precognitive dream where you're sure you got the answer to something in the future, or people have, you know, dreams and experiences where they feel like they've gone to the past or they've gotten knowledge from other things. And it feels as if there's this understanding and shift through time. What did the ancients say about time and maybe even the cyclical nature of time or how we as a society, do we have it the same way that they mm -hmm. thought? So that would be my, you know. Yeah, time is totally different now. You know, clocks exist, time doesn't exist. So, you know, a, you know and, and a lot of them understood that. And even some of the ancient sages understood the, the reality that we have that we're living in here was actually not true reality. They called it sleepy time or dream time, that being awake was the dream time. And, you know, so they understood that this is a, a holographic illusion in a lot of ways, in a lot of different ways. Uh, the Akashic Records in particular, it goes way back even to, into some of the ancient Indian texts. And it's referred to as this, this record uh, that exists, this energetic plane uh, where information exists that's uh, got the thought, conscious thought of every single entity, sentient being in the entire universe. Every thought wave exists there and is stored there in this gigantic, uh, you know, energetic computational computer system, if you want to call it that, just to make it, you know, give it an easy a way to, to see it. And so this Akashic record has spelled out everything that you have done, everything that you will do and everything that you, uh, uh, you know, are doing now because, um, Time is basically, it doesn't exist. So the past, present, and future happen all at once in higher dimensions. So all the information about yourself and what you've done and going to do and are doing is in the Akashic Record. Thoth calls it the Book of Life. Uh, and that made it into the biblical text. Obviously, re religious texts call it the Book of Life. But the Akashic Record and the Book of Life, to me, same exact thing. And so it's likened to really what I was saying earlier is that every single, everything that's happening is energetic in this entire realm all that energy is stored in this in this energetic grid and just like you know they found that black holes initially we thought that if something went into a black hole it would be torn apart shredded up and pulled into pieces but then we learned that when something goes into a black hole because information can't be lost the information is actually stored in the event horizon stores all the data of whatever it is that's going into the black hole and so we know that the universe is a natural data storage so again, as above, so low. We've got USB drives. That's just a below of the massive above. All we do is replicate what already exists on higher planes of existence. And so that's what the Akashic Record is. It's, it's a storage medium for information about everything, about every sentient being in the entire universe. Uh, and I do believe that the ancients knew 
that time was an illusion, that the way that we perceive time now has become so mechanical and we've got to go to this meeting. I look, I'm, I'm looking at my clock. I've got to get to another <laughs> podcast right after this one. And I'm trying to calculate what I've got to do after that. So we're on this mechanical system and we're on this system where we've kind of really become slaves to time, unfortunately. Uh, but I think that back in the ancient times, the way that everything was set up, everything was more uh, set back, laid back. And, you know, destinies were ordained and and things like that. It was a much different way of perceiving time back then. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, it's interesting because we see things in such an often such a linear way, right? I did this yesterday and I'm going to do this tomorrow. But like Billy said, that's actually a third dimensional um, linear way to look at the things. Most of what takes up the multiverse, right? Which means the layered universe of, of possibilities is made up of non-physical things. It's energy. It's like Billy said, the storage of all thoughts, everything that's ever been um, discussed in some of the things, oh, I just came up with something. No, that term that people that the uh, that some people know is called nothing new under the sun. The ancients once said that everything that um, we think we're discovering has already been thought, and that it's all already existing because time is an illusion, and that everything is a giant circle. Okay, and what what that means is if you tr if you start to get out into dimensional thinking and you start to think in a higher higher way, right? You start to think about realms and um, spaces that exist beyond the, what's called the, the five senses um, linear world that we see in front of us, right? We can, we perceive, we have five senses, we see seven colors in the visible light spectrum, but there's so much else out there that we can't perceive. And one of those things are things like dimensions. So what happens when you move from a third dimensional thinking? So if you go into a meditation session and you're deep in there and you're surrounded by crystals and you're, you get into a deep thought and you feel that you are no longer just your physical body, but you are just like an orb of consciousness that, that is non-physical, like a, your spirit. Okay. You've now broken out of the third dimension and you're now in the fourth dimension, fifth dimension with the six being what I what perhaps is, is the highest that as humans currently in our form we can achieve. And what that what happens is the further you go out of the third dimension, the more time becomes an illusion and disappears. It becomes becomes what's called instantaneous time, meaning that all that matters, the past actually doesn't matter at all. The future doesn't matter. It's only the moment. They realize that the moment you're in is the only thing that exists. So the way that they would reflect time in a place like Gobekli Tepe in Turkey is they would only track time based on the basically the wobble of the earth known as the equinoxes, okay? The shifts that occur when the earth is wobbling on its axis, which constellations it faces for a 2,000 year, 2,100 year period. That was time for them. So they, they were called them ages, right? And they knew that they were in this age and then this age would come. And each of those ages would be a, um, a cyclical nature of polarity. It would be a dualistic nature. So every age would go from a positive to a negative and vice versa. And they knew that. And so when they would basically allowed them to look at ages ahead and predict where that society would go and where those things would happen. And they could even predict things like cataclysms that were going to be coming and figuring out when things were going to occur based on the alignment with the cosmos and the sun and uh, basically the galactic plane of everything swinging through. 
they understood all of that and they and they basically created time capsule libraries that reflected certain moments in time when things happened when civilization ar arose and those libraries were all moved underground into ancient ancient libraries and like i mentioned before one of the newest theories that is being talked about is why this obsession with the ancient people over giant granite blocks made of silica quartz most of granite is actually a high quartz silica content and then if you look at you compare something like the earth most beaches around the world are the sand of a beach is mostly quartz silica it's quartz also known as silica like in your watch is what makes up the primary terrestrial body of this planet it's a giant crystal okay so in order to tap into that they would essentially use the same phenomenon and that way they could understand um, how to leave messages in quartz. I think that's where the newest science is going to go. When you look at all those ancient temples, we talk these megalithic temples that have no writing on them. And if they do, it was from a later culture that came and put graffiti on it, I call it. Those cultures had no writing because their writing may have been embedded in a non-third dimensional way, in encoded in those stones. And so one day in the future, when we realize how to tap into that energy and restore these ancient structures, that information may be there right in front of us all along. And that, that, that's why I talk about how the Sumerians with cuneiform etching into clay was literally the best form of 3D thinking you can have for leaving a message. But there are other ways, ways to leave a message. And so we got to understand that many of these secrets um, that the ancients had may still be here today. We just can't, don't understand how to read them, understand them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, that's fascinating to think about, uh, especially considering, you know, uh, one wonders if we'll ever see it if we go down the technological path that we, because you're not looking for it. And if you're not looking for the message, exactly. then you can't see it. Exactly. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see uh, how we discover, if we discover all those things. But, um, Guys, it's been great as always. Oh, yeah. um, you, you're going to have to come back when the book is finally done. Oh, if yeah. you guys, um, everybody who is listening to this, just check out the show notes. We've got all of their information there. Plenty of books, uh, plenty of content, YouTube channels, all this stuff. So uh, I know you guys, you have some homework to go to go check out all the stuff that we, we talked about here. And uh, so make sure to go check out both of their channels. And um, is there anything else you guys want to... Shout out to uh, anything coming up here for you guys. Um, well, I have my Manifest Destiny 2022 workshop coming up January 8th and 9th. And then myself and Matt are going to do a special workshop, which we haven't picked a date yet, but we will. I'll get, give them a call later on tonight. We're going to do a special workshop uh, sometime within the next few months or maybe the beginning of the year to go over ancient civilizations and um, and a lot of the content, most likely that it'll be in the book. Great. Um, and yeah, I really look forward to doing all of that. I just want to also mention that, um, you know, in my current job, I just want to say that things are going really, really well at Gaia. And uh, all I'll say is, um, there's some awesome, awesome content coming out that I've been working on with others. So just, I can't reveal anything else than that, but, um, just check that out in the, as you go forward. Um, cause I'm trying to bring my passion to reach larger amounts of people, as well as the reason why I'm writing the book with Billy, cause this message needs to be heard. Be phenomenal. Totally. Totally. All right, guys, uh, make sure to check everything out. The link to that Eridu and stuff like that. We'll make sure to throw down if that is out when this comes out, but for the rest guys, check out all that stuff and we'll see you later. All right. Thank Peace. you. Appreciate it.